Fear Street Part 1, 1994. This is a Netflix release. And to review this, um, because it's the first entry in a trilogy and it's supposed to be consumed as a trilogy, it does require a bit of context. So please bear with me. This is about to get extremely contextual. I promise you it's necessary. Fear Street The Place is the, the creation of the horror author R.L. Stein. Now, this is a series of 156 books and counting, if you include the various spin-off avenues and, and cul-de-sacs. Very, very popular with younger readers, uh, all kind of horror slasher inflected. Now, four years ago, work began at what was then 20th Century Fox on a Fear Street trilogy of films. The idea would be that the first two were each set at this key point in American horror cinema. So, uh, the first one in the mid-1990s of Scream, I Know What You Did Last Summer, etc., etc. And then the other would take place, uh, the second would take place a generation beforehand at the time of Halloween, Friday the 13th. And then the third would be set way back in the 1600s in the, in the heyday of American witch burning. And you, they would be released in, uh, all, all three were, were set in the same suburb of Shadyside. And then they would be released in reverse chronological order. I assume so, the, the idea is that each instalment sheds new light uh, on the ones that come before it. And this this idea, I think, is, you know, intrinsically appealing. You've got this uh, this sense that you're tracing these modern folk terrors, so, you know, the masked knife man or the kind of uh, the, the crazed axe guy who's running about the, the, the woods. You're tracing these back to their historical source. So sort of maybe a little bit like Stephen King's It or perhaps Cabin in the Woods, where you're unpicking these uh, horror tropes and why it is that these stories keep kind of recurring like rituals down the ages. Now, the, the plan for these films originally, when they were at Fox was that they were going to be released in cinemas at one-month intervals. Now, thanks to the pandemic, they've ended up at Netflix, who are rolling them out over the course of two weeks. That, to me, feels like a much more natural home uh, for this kind of project. As, a, as the title of the first instalment indicates, it's set in uh, 1994, so peak screen time. Uh, and I think it's an incredibly generic slasher, which borrows a lot of ideas from that era. So Scream, I know what you did last summer, as I mentioned, Final Destination, and so on. But without doing anything especially clever or subversive or meta-horrific with them. Uh, so, for instance, when you think it's introducing the final girl figure at the start of the film, as did the first Scream film with Drew Barrymore, uh, this time it's Maya Hawke, then you soon messily discover that she is not going to be uh, the lead character at all. Now, the group of teens that the film does end up being about uh, disturb a witch's grave and end up being chased around by reincarnated serial killers from the town's past. One of them, who's the kind of scream ghost face equivalent who's known as skull mask uh only actually died a few days ago um, uh, and he's running around with a, a skeleton mask on his face a long black cloak uh, and a large dagger in his hand like you know familiar horror movie villains past here's the moment at which the kids finally twig what's a foos 1666 seraphir was hanged for witchcraft fact but ever since she was executed she's been possessing people turning them into killers to take revenge on the town it's like the nursery rhyme yeah yeah before the witch's final breath she found a way to cheat her death by cutting off her cursed hand she kept her grip upon our land she reaches from beyond the grave to make good men her wicked slaves yes exactly don't you see what's happening to us? This is all proof. Shadyside isn't just some hotbed for psychos. All these massacres are connected to Sarah Fear. The witch's curse is real. So, Luke, here's my sticking point with all of this. Fear Street 90, Part 1 1994 is rated 18. Netflix have rated 18 themselves for violence and injury detail, which is completely right. 
But while the, the various stabbings and, and, and murders are, are graphic, uh, if not especially creative, in other respects, I cannot think of another recent horror film that has gone so far out of its way not to provoke or offend. Now, these kids are supposed to be 90s kids. To me, they look, talk and behave like 2020s ones. I mean, first of all, the styling doesn't ring especially true, which is, which is bad enough. But there's also no suggestion that teenagers can be unlikable and unpleasant and hold immature, stupid opinions that now sound a quarter of a century out of date as they would be. Now, I don't know if you saw this very funny viral video recently, which a guy shows his girlfriend his favourite teen comedy from when he was young in the mid-1990s. And he is horrified and ashamed by how badly it's aged it's and so how good. much he used to uncritically buy into this stuff when he was yeah. younger. There is absolutely no equivalent sense in Fear Street that we are watching something happening in another era beyond the fact that we recognise so many of the film's ideas as stale warmings over of stuff that was done back in the mid-1990s. Now, the tricky thing is, this might be part of the plan. There may be some Cabin in the Woods style reveal to come, two films down the line, which explains why what we've been watching is generic and tired. It's all kind of part of a, an, an overall plan, like a kind of a meta-commentary on this kind of film. And in fact, the most exciting part of the 1994 installment, by far, is when it starts gearing up for part two, which is set in 1978 at this kind of Friday the 13th style campground. And you start to think, hang on a minute, there's more to this than I initially thought. What I'm not sure is how much more there's going to be. I haven't read one Fear Street book, let alone 156 of them. But if the third film's about a witch burning and the series is as keyed into Generation Z thinking as it appears to be, I'm fairly certain what the story behind the story is going to entail. I might be wrong about that, and I think it's hard to say off the back of this one film that Fear Street is bad, but I think you can say with some confidence that it's not good yet. Every cliche you care to guess, think of, associate with this sort of slasher is there, and in abundance and seemingly with no shame. I will say there is an attitude towards drugs and prescription medication that I found very alarming in a way that if it hadn't been an 18, I would have, my head would have exploded in a very gory fashion. I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with you. There is not enough to it except for that idea that there are further instalments that might actually unpick the basicness of what this is, which is a perfunctory, slightly self-aware slasher. Coming out in the same week as Freaky, uh, which we'll get onto later, it's even more apparent that this is just okay and then and then and then. You have people getting together that make no sense. You have the Jack Blackish in another era style jokey character, but he's much more muted and kind of calmed down. People are pleasant even when they're not pleasant. I think the only real gritty thing is that you've got uh, a couple who fight and squabble and bicker and feel real in their hatred of each other when they're separating and, and all that sort of thing. But this is a movie where you've got Shadyside and Sunnydale. And it's so close... Or was it Sunnyvale? It's so close to uh, Buffy. It's it's just... I was, a, I, was, I was like, how is this not more winky? How is this not more looking down the barrel and saying, we know. But like you say, maybe it will do that. Maybe there'll be a further element to it. The other odd thing is this is a Netflix movie. 
And Netflix have been the guys that say, the people that say, here it all is. Here it all is. You can watch all of this right now. Dead to me, here it all is. Occasionally, you might get a sort of um, uh, an acquired thing here in the UK where Star Trek Discovery might be a week by week. But it's unusual to have this staggered both as a film, but week by week in these three movies. So like you're saying, there better be something else in their bag of tricks. Otherwise, this could well be just three movies where people get deaded. Yes, and I think this is this is why I say it's a, it's a streaming project in its core, because can you imagine watching the 1994 instalment and thinking, okay, put a note in the diary, in a month's time, I'll come yeah. back here, spend another £10 to find out what happens next. Yeah. I don't see it. And I think with, with streaming, you can kind of hear these things out. You can you can let them, you know, let's see how it pans out. I'll give it another chance. It's also not a short film. Like, this movie really stays around. Um, so, yeah, if you're intrigued, I'm happy for you. And I, I, I'm excited about the second one. It stars um, Sadie Sink, I think her name is, who, my memory's going today, who is a key part of Stranger Things. And we've already talked about Maya Hawke, who was a big part of Stranger Things Series 3. So I'm hoping that the next episode, the next chapter, will hold more surprises and more delights. 